Mark chapter 10. Maybe I should find it too. Come on, Andy. There we go. All three synoptic gospels. You know, synoptic means Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three that are most like one another. Um, they, they cover a lot of the same information. Um, uh, they're called synoptic. It means literally one site. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of them give us an account of Jesus healing two blind men outside of Jericho. Now, Mark and Luke, for whatever reason, are led to only focus on one of the two, Bartimaeus, for reasons that we don't know. And we'll not speculate. So we'll put our focus on the one of the two that God chooses to spotlight. We don't know this fellow's name. You say, well, his name's Bartimaeus. Okay, Bar meaning son of, Timaeus meaning son of Timaeus. We still don't know his name. He's the son of Timaeus. For all we know, he's Fred Bartimaeus. We don't know. But, uh, but the Bible calls us by his father's name. And so we'll be content to call him Bartimaeus. Here's what we do know about him. We may not know his first name, but we know that he was a man with a real problem. And only Jesus had the answer. And that right there makes application to us. We have real problems, and only Jesus has the answer. And that's something to always remember. Um, I've been thinking a great deal on the subject of prayer. One of the devotionals that I'm using this year is all about prayer. Scott Pauley recommended this book, and he didn't miss the mark at all. In fact, I'll put a picture of it up here if you'd like to find a copy. Magnificent Prayer by Nick Harrison, 366 lessons on the subject of prayer. And I've already found myself under great conviction in this devotional. Um, it's not lengthy devotionals. In fact, it's, it's, it's like a Bible verse and then what great Christians of the past have had to say on the subject of prayer. So it's, it's one of those that if you're looking for something to settle in for a half hour on, this isn't your devotional. I use several and this is one of them because I can just get a quick, a quick jolt, a quick shot of truth um, when I need it. And one of his entries made much of Bartimaeus and a simple lesson about prayer that's to be learned from his example. We'll get into that in point number four, I think. So let's take a few moments and get reacquainted with our friend Bartimaeus. We've been here before. We've preached messages on Bartimaeus. Some of this you'll remember. Some of this is new. Um, but when we look at his example, we'll learn from him some principles on prayer. Some principles on prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather tonight. More than that, Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to pray. We can be with one another at different times during the week, but we can be in your presence any time we wish. What an amazing thought that the creator of the universe not only invites us to come to him, but really demands it and makes it so easy if we'll but take advantage of it. Help us tonight as we look on this subject of prayer. May Christ be lifted up in it. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Chapter 10, verse 47. No, verse 40, 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, I'm blind, let me take my glasses off. 
the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. But Jesus stood still, and Jesus stood still, and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. By the way, in Luke's account, he says, Thy faith hath saved thee. So there's two things going on here. He's made whole physically, but he also has demonstrated faith for salvation. He now belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. The first principle we want to look to is this. Know to whom you're praying. Now that sounds like one of those duh things, but let's be honest now. How many times have we just prayed to God in a very general way and given little thought to just who we're talking to? In verse number 47, it says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He knew to whom he was calling. Do you? Do I? He reveals much. Just in what he says, just in him saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. First, he knows that Jesus is capable. Why would you call out to a man that couldn't help you? This man who is blind, this man who has nothing, this man who's a beggar, this man that's on a dead-end road in life. He calls out to Jesus because he knows he's capable of healing him. Now, here's the question. You know he's capable, right? But if we really believe that, why wouldn't we be calling on him more than we do? You know what else he knows? He knows he's the Christ. When he says, Jesus, thou son of David, that is a messianic title. And him being a Jew, he claims it. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And he knows Jesus is capable. He's the Christ. And you know what else? He's compassionate. What's he say? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You don't owe me a thing, Lord. I don't deserve anything, but you're a merciful Messiah. Have mercy on me. And how often do we call out in prayer, having given very little thought about he to whom we pray? Can I remind you, friend, for the New Testament Christian, he is capable. He is capable. There is no situation that you face that God is not able to take care of it. What does Jesus say about himself in Matthew 28 as he, as he leads into the first of five great commissions? 
And Jesus said unto them, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Friend, when you pray to the Lord Jesus, you are praying to he to whom all power is given. There is nothing too hard for him. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. He's capable, y'all. You know what else? He's the Christ. Who's the Christ? That's the Messiah. That is he who has bridged the gap between righteous heaven and unrighteous man. Can I remind you what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 2? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I saw something very sad the other day. There's a a fellow that I follow on social media. And he's a, he's a judge up in Rhode Island, and he's, he's dying of cancer. And uh, it's taken its toll on him. He's in his 80s now, and it's taken its toll on him. And, and so he arranged a meeting with a local bishop. He's a, he's a very devout Catholic. And he's arranged a meeting with a, a bishop who has helped him in praying to a certain saint to get a hold of God. Now, friend, I don't question his sincerity, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but I want you to understand something. There's no one for you to pray to but Jesus. Not Mary, not Joseph, not any of the saints. Can I remind you, if you're saved today, you're a saint. You don't confer sainthood upon people. God grants it when you become a child of God. And when you pray, friend, listen, well, well, Mary has the ear of Christ. Can I tell you something, beloved? You have the ear of Christ. You don't need Mary. We, we respect Mary for who she was and how she served her Lord. But we don't revere her. There is one man and one, one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And he's your Christ as much as he was that blind man's. And can I tell you, friend, and we all could testify to this, he's capable, he's the Christ, and he is compassionate. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of, of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So what what should be our response to this? Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. He's so compassionate. He's so merciful. So when you pray, friend, know to whom you're praying. Number two, when you pray, let nothing dampen your fervor. 
nothing. Oh, and there will be things that will try to distract you and dampen you and take your eye off the ball. Don't let them. Verse 48. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. I love this. But he cried the more a great deal. He turned it up a notch. You need to hush. I ain't gonna. Because I need to get a hold of this man. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You can tell me to hush all you want to. I'm not. You can tell me it's not going to work all you want to. I'm not. I'm going to keep on and keep on and keep on until I get a hold of him. Oh, would to God Christians had that sensibility about them. Do you know what I found in my own life? What dampens my fervor quicker than anything? Time. You've been praying about something a while, and it seems like the more you pray, the farther away it gets. And the temptation is to dampen your fervor. Family Life Center, I, I'm going to tell you, I have had times where I've gone into the prayer closet, and I mean heaven came down and glory filled my soul, and there have been times that I've been praying about that thing that I just pray because I said I'm going to pray about it. Because time. For whatever it's worth, my fervor is pretty high on it right now. God's given me some thoughts and some helps to crank that thing back up again. Let nothing dampen your fervor. Bartimaeus refused to be silenced, and we are so easily distracted, and we allow all manner of things to distract and dampen our prayer life. If you need something from God... You keep praying. You keep begging. You keep pleading. Don't you give up. Number three. As you're praying, know to whom you're praying. Let nothing dampen your fervor. Number three, trust that Jesus does all things well. God is not always going to answer it the way that you wish he would. And sometimes he's just going to tell you no. And that's when it's so critical that no matter what his answer is or how delayed you think it is, you trust that Jesus does all things well. You know what happens when you trust him? You rejoice in whatever answer you give, or he gives, rather. When you really trust him, that faith changes your perspective about everything else, even things you're not praying about. Verse 50, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. Now that garment's important. 
That garment is his outer cloak. It's what keeps him warm when it's cold. It's probably the most valuable possession that he has. And this is not a time where you can just go down to Walmart and get another one. And even if he could, he wouldn't have had the money. The most valuable possession he has is that garment. And what does he do when Jesus calls him? He casts it aside. Now bear in mind, he's still blind. He has yet to ask Jesus for his sight, let alone be healed. And yet he casts that garment to the side. Why? I'll tell you why. Because he had accepted that no matter what Jesus did, he was going to be better off. If he gives me my sight, I'm not going to need this garment. If he doesn't, then he'll provide what I need. I just know that this man does all things well. A little side note. Be careful about contingency plans. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise. But sometimes we pray, but we keep something back a little bit just in case God doesn't do what we want him to do. You know? Case in point. The Family Life Center. I am asking God to provide what we need to build that thing start to finish. But just in case he doesn't, I got a few people I know that have a little bit of money, and I'm going to start working them a little bit. What am I doing? I haven't cast my garment off, have I? Now, I'm not saying that God may not lead us to do things a little bit differently than what we're asking or what we think. I'm just saying, if I really want to do, see God do something mighty in my life, I can't hold on to anything. I've got to fully throw myself at his disposal, trusting that whatever he does, it will be best. But I'll tell you what we tend to do. We tend to treat God like a doctor and we look for second opinions. You know, my favorite hymn is all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Shall I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Precious peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know what e'er befall me. Jesus doeth all things well. And so when you pray in whatever garment you're holding on to, cast it off knowing that he, whatever he does, however he answers it, he will do it well. That's what gets you through when you pray for somebody's healing and they go to heaven. We've all got somebody in our life that we've prayed for their healing, and God let them go to heaven instead. What, how, do we, how do we deal with that? Heaven was better. Heaven was better. And God doesn't make a mistake. And so it was easy. But it's still no less true. Number four. Know to whom you're praying. Let nothing dampen your fervor. Trust that Jesus does all things well. Number four. Be deliberate in your request. You ever prayed with no direction? I'm not talking about those times 
that you are so overwhelmed with emotion that you don't know how to pray. That's when the Holy Spirit steps in, according to Romans 8, and prays for you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we get lazy. Lord, bless the missionaries. What does that even mean? Hmm? For instance, Lord, bless the Van Winkles. No, Lord, they got issues with their visa. They need your help with that. This missionary has this health problem. This, this friend of ours has a financial issue. Pray specifically. Pray specifically. Jesus, <laughs> and this, this is part of what I read in the devotional in verse 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Well, isn't that obvious? Is it? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit, when you're praying for something, have you ever had the Holy Spirit challenge you on that? What exactly is it you're asking for? I'm really not trying to beat the drum of the Family Life Center, but I've had to, come to, I've had to really get specific in my prayers. Lord, give us the Family Life Center. Okay. So what exactly do you want? I, I want a Family Life Center. Okay, get specific. Well, um, and, and do you know what, do you know what my, my prayer has become? And again, God may choose to do this in a different way, but here's what my prayer has become. Lord, I, I want $2.5 million. Now, people hear that and they're like, what kind of prayer is that? It's a prayer that's nothing for God. Now, if, if because things have gone down in price, if it only costs us a million and a half to build it, praise the Lord, then give me the million and a half. But I'm going to keep asking for two and a half million because I don't want to get to heaven and find out I could have had two and a half million, but quit asking for it. Right? Because would you agree with me if the thing only costs a million and a half to build and then we got another million in the bank? That's not a bad thing. Then the deacons can all get their Cadillacs if they want, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> but, you know, it's like when your kid comes to you, I'm hungry. All right, what do you want? I don't know. What do you want? And I got to think that sometimes God, being my heavenly father, I've come to him and said, Lord, I need this. Well, what do you want? Now, here's the thing. Does God need to have that information? He's omniscient. Of course he doesn't. Why does he want us to be specific? Because we need to fine-tune what we're asking for. Have you ever prayed for something, and as the Holy Spirit worked on you, your prayer changed? This is what I thought I wanted, but this is what I need. See, prayer isn't about changing God's heart. It's about changing ours. She said, what do you need? What do you want? And so he's very specific. The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Man, so often we pray with no direction. We don't consider God's will. Our requests are generalized. Would you agree with me that an audience with your creator demands a minimum of thought? 
Think about somebody that you had a meeting with that it was a really important meeting. For instance, the first time you asked your wife out, and she said, yes, okay, we're going to dinner. And I'm going to start really rehearsing in my mind how I want to put myself before her. Ah, no, just wing it. It'll be fine. Not me, y'all. I messaged her. Can I call you sometime? Sure. Here's my number. Okay, got the phone. Hello? No, that's stupid. Hey. Nah, too complicated. No, that's not good. Hi. Nope, that's not going to work either. How you doing? No, no, it's, no. I rehearsed. I'll tell you why. Because I realized the importance of that conversation. And I wanted to make sure I did it right. Now, my wife's important, no question. But how much more important is it when we enter the throne room of the king? that we be deliberate in how we speak to him. May I remind you, he is the dearest friend we'll ever have, but he's not my pal. He's not my buddy. He's the God of the universe. And it's worthwhile for me to think and measure my words before him because he's God. And so when he says, what would you have I doing to you? Well, Lord, I've been thinking about that. And the best I know, I'm praying within your will. And if I'm not, you show me and I'll try to pray within your will. But Lord, this as I see it, this is what we need. This is how we need to approach this. And when you come to God like that, well thought out. I mean, parents, really. Are you not a little bit impressed when your kids, even if your kids are way off the mark, when they've taken some time to order their argument? I really think, Dad, that, that, that I should, and these are not things my kids have said, I, I, I just really think that, that, that I should have my own room. Okay. Why? Well, there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. Okay, no, but good job. Because if I give you your own room, then I lose my man cave, and that's not going to happen, you know, or something like that. But, but you're a little bit impressed, aren't you, that they, they put the, the effort into it. But if they come to you and say, I should have my own room, why? Because I ain't going to get anywhere. Lord, I need this. Why? I haven't really thought about that. I just want it. Guess what? You're probably not going to get it. Be deliberate in your request. Here's the last one. Know to whom you're praying. Let nothing dampen your fervor. Trust that Jesus does all things well. Be deliberate in your request. Here's the last one. When you get your answer, use it in service to him. Now that seems pretty, well, yeah, of course we should. But how often does God bless us with the answer to our prayer and then we fail to use it for his glory? Think about it. Lord, if I get this job, I'll be able to take care of my family better. Great. I'm going to give you that job. And then by and by, 
You miss church more. You don't invest in the work of God anymore. What have you done? You've taken something God blessed you with and you're not using it for his glory. And that happens more often than you think. What was this man's response? Verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I can see. And the first thing I'm going to do is follow you. Answered prayer ought to draw us closer to him, not push us away. Be prepared to take what God gives you and use it for his glory. Back to the Family Life Center. When God gives us that, what we dare not do is seal it up and use it for our fellowships and our basketball teams and hope nobody even notices it and starts asking about it. No. Here's what you do. God gave us the Family Life Center. Let's open this thing up and get as many people as we can and get them under the gospel. Whether it's pine car derbies or something like upward basketball or, or you know, open houses and, you know, pancake suppers or whatever else. I want the community. But you know what? Weird people are going to come here. I got, can I tell you a secret? Weird people are already here. <laughs> Let's get some unsaved weird people. You know? Now, are there things we can't allow over there because it would displease God? Of course. And we would be careful about that just as we are with this building. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? And I know this, this, is, this is kind of makes us nervous. If it was already over there. And I called up the people in authority around here. And I said, it's going to get down to eight degrees out there. The doors will be open. Tell them to come and get out of the cold. They might smoke in the bathroom. Have at it. They also might get the gospel and get saved. It would be a terrible thing for God to give us something like that and us be stingy with it, wouldn't it? I told the one of the town officials, I said, my, my vision for this thing is we kind of got some ideas as to what would be necessary for us in the order of, you know, getting permits and things like this. So one of the visions that I have for this thing is if we have some major catastrophe around here and you need shelter, the Family Life Center will do it. That's why I'm insistent that there be showers in the locker room because if we're going to load people in here to keep them safe, then we want showers, don't we? Yeah. That's why we need to have a first-class kitchen over there because we're going to need to feed people. Not for nothing, we'll have wedding receptions over there too. How often does God answer our prayers and then we forget to even use it for him? Bartimaeus didn't forget.
He followed him immediately. Oh, I think all of us could say that we could stand to deep in our prayer life. I sure could. And as I do, may God help me to know to whom I'm praying. May nothing dampen my fervor. May I trust that Jesus does all things well. May I be deliberate in my request. And when he answers it, may I use it in service to him. Principles on prayer. Let's stand together, please.